This is a Radio 191 FM podcast. Right now I'm joined by Tim Rogers, a.k.a. Jack Ladder. Morena, good morning. Good morning. How are we? Pretty good. Pretty good. Right, you've got a new record. It's called Hijackets with the Dreamlanders. Um, The opening track sees you in a kind of lockdown, uh, dreaming of being free. Uh, observing the world from a kind of isolated space, enclosed space alone. It's funny how, like, two years ago, we would have felt, uh, that would have felt really foreign to most people, uh, but now Ooh. it's kind of an experience we've all shared. Yeah. No, I, I think when I wrote the song, we weren't even in lockdown yet. I was sort of anticipating the lockdown. I, I was in a hospital, and um, in, a, in a sort of mental hospital, so... I went out of that, then into lockdown, and so it sort of felt even um, more appropriate. <laughs> Indeed. Um, now, Hijack is its an expansive record. It's full of, um, you know, kind of conflictment, dystopia, darkness. But all through the whole record, there's kind of this bright light, this warmth and this humour. Um, mm. A way out for... Um, you know, uh, for whoever you're singing about, really. Even mm. on, like, Negative Blender, I feel like there's a way out um, with the knowledge, with the kind of the knowledge of self-opening the door. Yeah. Well, I guess that's what the record is mainly about, is sort of, like, just being accountable for yourself. And, and I think the hijack title is as much about sort of hijacking yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, taking control of your own life is... is I would say is what the record is about. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess I'd let my life get quite strange and by, by not really being accountable for anything and, and just sort of drifting for a long time. And I felt this was just a um, time for me to, you know, try and take the reins, I guess, just um, and, and, you know, be more direct and be more conscious of what I was saying and, and um, be more conscious of the way that I was living. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of grown up like that. That's, you know, coming-of-age story. <laughs> Again. Yeah, that's, that's what I do, coming-of-age stories. <laughs> um but, you know, it's also peppered with, with humour and there's that line in um, Negative Blender, the line that's, mm. I, know, I know a flat earther, you know, just that small little oh, yeah. part, <laughs> that small little part, um, you know, and it, you know, yeah. it, it was great. Well, that, yeah, that, stuff, that song to me is really funny. Um, that came out of sort of, um, it was a Fiona Apple interview she did with the New York Times and her... Uh, she said that her ex-boyfriend called her the negative juicer because basically everything, she would take any sort of experience and then just extract the worst part of it and serve that up to the world. And I felt a deep resonance with that yeah. um, in <laughs> my, my creative life and my, you know, just generally existing life. And it's hard to, main, you know, to be... Um, honest and um, observant of the world without being cynical. And I think, you know, I'm trying, I've been trying to ride that rail for a long time and, and, you know, I'm trying to be more humble and more like open about 
you know, my own past and, and um, you know, ways of seeing things. You know, it's easy to be, you know, everyone says that. It's easy to be negative. You can um, do that and people, you know, it can be mistaken for honesty. And I, and I think everything is sort of grey and, you know, I, I'm trying to find those spaces in between the um, negative thoughts and, and um, just be self-aware about what I'm saying. So that, that sounds funny because it talks about like, you know, the kind of person that I think that I am, but then, you know, it sort of has this explanation where I'm talking about all the music that I listened to growing up, so, like um, saying that I'm, you know, all the, the hits of the nineties, like I'm an asshole, I'm a loser, mm-hmm. I'm a freak, I'm a creep, I'm a negative creep. Just these kind of sentiments that it's sort of beaten into you at such a young age um, for people that grew up in that time that, you know, it's obvious why you might um, come out the other end in, in, a, in a certain kind of way. <laughs> I grew up in that time. I've never thought about it before. And they were all my favorite songs. Um, (laughs) It's a very different time to now because, you know, things are like, you know, um, very, very positive sentiments in pop music now. You know, it's it's all about sort of self-aggrandizing as opposed to being self-deprecatory. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, now, I feel this record is an impersonal, personal record. Um, are, you, are you writing from another character's perspective about your own experiences? Uh, I, I just think that every, you know, everything you experience, you experience through yourself and through other people as well. So I think a personal experience could be something that is happening to someone around you and you're sort of living vicariously through that. And it all just sort of feeds in, you know, it's, it's a song. It's an impure form of um, truth. Yeah. So it's, um, there's also, you know, lots of details in there, things that are me, things that are other people. But I guess because I'm writing it, it's, um, you know, it's generally fact-based. Um, now you mentioned hospital, um, you know, and, and a couple of things that have been going on in the last couple of years. And, you know, in writing this record, I don't want to use the word cathartic because it's a word that's yeah. thrown around far too much. Yeah. Um, but, you know, is it, is it a record that you needed to write for yourself? Uh, well, it's just a record that I wrote when I had time to write. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I'd been touring a lot and I hadn't really been writing very much and I didn't really know what was going on because I was just just living this perpetual sort of hot mess existence. And I just took a break and then the world shut down and I was like, well, now i got time to write. And so I wrote an album and I, I took great joy and dedication in the way that I was writing it. Um, and I think... I used to, just the world's changed so much since I started making music. You know, I used to write purely, you know, finish a song with the words and the chord progression and stuff. And then before I would go and record it. And I think by the time I made my last record, I was just 
recording stuff before I'd really finished the gestation period of writing a song. And so things started to get a, come out a bit malformed, a bit malnourished kind of songs that were maybe losing their focus, whereas this record I made sure that I was, you know, I had the song down before I went to record it, and I thought that was really important. Um, just, you know, in terms of having a map of where you're going when you're making music. And then, you know, I guess I wrote lots of songs and I picked the ones that helped tell this story the best. And, um, and I, you know, it's, it, does, it did come out like quite a focused body of work. And uh, it's probably the easiest record I ever made. Um, you know, the, the least amount of hiccups. Uh, everything seemed to roll pretty smoothly. Everyone that was involved in it, from Lawrence um, Pike, who plays the drums in the band, and he was kind of co-producing with me. And, you know, we're in studios where things worked. People sh generally showed up on time. We had a, a ranger arrange all the strings in America, and then he organised a session there, and, and um, that all went off amazingly well. And then the... Francois, who mixed the record, basically just presented us his first mixes and it was like, he just nailed it. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was very... I think because, the, because it starts at the beginning, you know, because the songs are focused and they know what they are. Um, so it makes everyone's job coming in very simple because there's a clear direction for what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And so there was a clear order to the record as well. So when you were actually arranging the song order, they, they all were in the, you know, they're already there. Uh, in terms of a track listing? Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much, really. I think I've had the track listing quite, pretty, pretty much there from the beginning. It's sort of, um, it, 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 um, it's all just instinct, that kind of stuff. And you, you just feel how it's going to go and, and, it's not, it's not particularly, there's no science or anything. I think Lawrence flipped a couple of tracks around at the very end and I was really holding onto it and fighting him about it. And then I just gave in and, and I think it works better because of it. But, uh, you know, I, they're also just interchangeable and people put it up on a streaming thing and move all the songs around anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah, you don't really want to get too fixed on, you know, telling some sort of... Um, narrative-based, you know, 50-minute story that everything has to be in a consecutive order. But I think, it, you know, that's the way I grew up listening to records and I, I, I love the, the, that format. And, and so I guess that's how I make it as yeah. opposed to a bunch of singles and throwing them together. Yeah, well, well, same for me. As I said before, you know, we grew up in the same era. So, it was, you know, an album from from start to finish was important and you listened the whole way through. And I don't think people people don't understand sometimes the importance of track listing to a record. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always hate releasing the first song from an album. <laughs> yeah. Know? And people just, they're going to make up their mind quite quickly. Oh, that's what he's doing now. Yeah, I get it, whatever. You know, um, and then might not really go back to it because, you know, they've got very limited attention spans. But, you know, I guess, the, you know, records like The Downward Spiral or something very influential. Mm -hmm. um, and there are records that you would just listen to all the way through many, many times. And, you know, that's how you extract a, um, uh, some sort of emotional resonance or connection or this um, bigger experience from it, you know. 
Yeah. When it had value, when you had to pay $30 for a CD. Oh, totally. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I, I grew up, you know, it's just, you know, that's just in, in deeply embedded in me. So I, I, um, I just value music like that. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, the string arrangements, you touched on it before, um, you know, it's made the, the, the record kind of very cinematic, uh, creating, mm-hmm. you know, kind of landscapes. Uh, and it kind of makes sense that it was, those were written by a film score producer, Sam uh, Lipman. Um, yeah. You know, what brought you the idea of using a string orchestra on the record? Um, well, I just had this goofy keyboard that I was demoing all the songs with. I basically wrote all the songs just with this one keyboard, with, you know, a million different sounds on it. And I just used all the string patches going through guitar pedals and whatever. And I didn't think that I'd actually want to engage an orchestra because, it, you know, and understand how expensive it is. And it, I was sort of thinking, you know, I'll just reamp all the strings in the studio and I'll, I'll just make weird textures out of it. Like, you know, the, um, that Flaming Lips record, the soft bullets and yeah, yeah. Like full of string, what sounds like strings, but they're all just like, um, you know, keyboards recorded through guitar apps and stuff. Um, and I was getting into that idea and I was like, oh, I'll record it all into my eight track and then I'll play the eight track like, a, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, like a string, you know, like an orchestra. And, and I tried that and it didn't work very well. And Lawrence was like, I just think we need to use real strings. And, you know, Sam is like a, you know, childhood friend of his and just happens to be like the head of um, orchestral arrangement at like University of Texas, uh, as well as composing for film and stuff. So um, I spoke to Sam and he was on board, you know, and just came up with this stuff that, I, you know, was way beyond my comprehension of what was possible within, you know, arranging. Because I was like, oh, I wrote these bits on a keyboard and, you know, <laughs> I'm like, why don't you just stick to what I've done? And he was like, well, you can do this. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you take care of that. You do that bit and I'll do the song bit and then we'll put it together. And it, it came together pretty good. Yeah, it did. It did indeed. Um, now, you kind of used um, a keyboard for strings on Hertzville. Uh, yeah. In, in a couple of songs. And that was your first record with the Dreamlanders, comprising, of course, of Donnie Bonet. Uh, yeah. Uh, Karen J. Kellanen and uh, Lawrence, as you mentioned before, how important are they to the writing of the record, um, to getting it from concept to reality? Um, well, in terms of the writing of the record, most of the records, and this is the thing, uh, it, it's, the idea of the band is almost like a fictional group. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea of the band. And I, all the personalities definitely feed into the nature of the way the music operates um, and the space that's left for each of the parts. I think everyone's personality is incredibly important to how I think about music and how I've learned to think about music. Um, when I'm making the music, I mean, this record, I just wrote most of it all myself. Um the nuts and bolts of it. And then Lawrence came through and, and was like, I think you can do this with the drums. 
and he was very um, very active in, in the arrangement of the record. And he's, I think in this album, the drums don't necessarily focus just like, they're not like normal drums. They're more sort of orchestral or they happen in odd places and they hold it, you know, some of the songs are pretty simple, but some of them, the drums are doing weird things. And, um, and you know, Donnie just has a, Donnie's such a brilliant bass player, you know, he um, he just play like you can get him to play playing the song for the first time, and he's going to play a bass line that is potentially you know better than anything you're going to um, that I'm ever going to come up with. And there's something about the touch of his playing, even if it's a really simple part that I could play, I would always want him to play it because the the, the sound that he is able to generate is vastly superior um and kieran just comes in at the end and sprinkles kind of fairy dust over everything (laughs) you know kieran can just show up for like a session for um you know 10 minutes and play a sound and then that becomes you know can change the course of a song yeah (laughs) is the power of, of his presence um so i'm just you know i generally i'm just feel very grateful to have those people as friends and you know, family in a way. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's an idea. It's almost, it's a concept that all yeah. those personalities coming together. Yeah. I mean, and not to take anything away from, from those three, but I mean, this, this album could almost be just a Jack Ladder record. Cause I mean, I hear, mm. I hear Donnie and past records and I hear mm. Kieran as well, um, knowing their music quite well. Um, mm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know much about Lawrence at all. Um, oh. p- apologies, Lawrence. Um, oh. But you know, I've talked oh. to Donnie and Kieran before. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, you're going to tell me some stuff I should check out. Um, <laughs> but but, but knowing, knowing them and knowing their music, I can certainly hear them in past records. But in this one, it's yeah, you know, it's almost like yeah. they are just the band this time. Around. Yeah, I think that I was. It was going to be a solo record. Yeah, I was going to list as Jack Ladder, but I just, I, you know, I think I like the way the name looks with the Dreamlanders. Yeah, yeah, it's an yeah. aesthetic decision, and I think it's more about you know just keeping a, a unity within. And you know, in the end, everyone played on it, so you know, it's a Dreamlanders record. Totally. So the challenge is now, I guess, uh, playing it live. How do you do that? Have you worked it out? Uh, yeah, we had some shows booked, but they keep getting pushed back because we're all in lockdown and I think no one really knows, um, what's going on here. Um, so maybe next year sometime we'll play it, you know, at some recital halls. It'd be, you know, we've organized to do it with some strings and had the strings arranged so we can do it with, you know, six players or so, but it would be beautiful to play it with, with the orchestra, um, to get the full effect. Mm. Um, But, you know, at this point, it's kind of funny because the record's coming out this week and there's no no more, like, content, you know, videos and stuff. We couldn't make videos because everyone's locked in their houses and I didn't want to do, you know, make a crappy video. You know, I wanted to make a really great video. Um, So it's just, at this point, it's just the record, you know, that's what people have. Yeah. To and they can digest that for a while, and then eventually, you know, if the 
things line up, we can come out and do some shows and, and do them in the right way. But it might just be a record if things don't really come back together properly. Well, I guess the record is the most important part. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but cool. we all do like the other parts as well. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know, you're supposed to, it's, I was talking to a guy the other day and he's like, you know, it used to be you just make the record was the most important part. And now the record's kind of like the merch item that you sell at the shows. Yeah, totally. Um, so maybe just let the record be the record and just keep working on new songs. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a document of the time and, and it's important for that reason and people can come to it as they wish but it, you know um don't think it's going to be like shoved down everyone's throats um <laughs> it's a, you know I, i'm really proud of it i think that's the main thing yeah i, I'm, I made something and I, and I think it's good and it's going to be there for everyone to do what they want with it yeah i think it's great it's a great record so yeah, well done, well done, well done, Tim. Uh, <laughs> that's right, that's right. From the other side of the ditch. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, well done, um, and thank you so much for taking out the time to speak to us this morning. No, thanks for talking to me. No, and absolutely lonely over here. Yeah. Wow. You know, I'm just so grateful that I get to come out of lockdown tomorrow. <laughs> but who knows for how long, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, um, once again, uh, hijack a, a fantastic record. It's um, you know it's kept it's captured a real moment in your life uh, in time. Like I said, uh, even if, it, mm. if it's just that record, it's a record. It's uh, a record. Yeah, document. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's it's great. So um, well done. Um, it's <laughs> great. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, well, it's not for me. Um, yeah. Well done, uh, and thank you so much for uh, bringing it to us and talking to us again. Uh, have a wonderful day, and hopefully we'll um, we'll talk again soon. Okay, thanks, Jamie. listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. There are heaps more at r1.co.nz.